Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One aspect that really intrigued me was the fact that she's flawed, the fact that she makes mistakes in this movie, that she is very powerful and takes really big risks. She's confident and bold in that way, but that doesn't always mean that it plays out the way that she hopes it would, but you watch her get back up again and try again, and I think that's what life is all about. That was Brie Larson talking about her character uh, in the new movie uh, that she stars in. Captain Marvel from Marvel Studios. How do you like that? Captain Marvel, Marvel Studios. What are the odds? Uh, by remotely, we're joined by Mark, Mike Sargent from WBAI. Hi, Mike. Hey. And uh, as always, Bill Brigoli is here. I'm here, yes. And Bill McCuddy is here as well. I'm kind of private Marvel. So uh, let's talk about Captain Marvel. Uh, well, this is the latest in the Marvel... <laughs> Uh, canon of movies. The opening was interesting. Instead of the standard Marvel opening, they had a whole montage of uh, Stan Lee uh, shots and then said, uh, thank you, Stan. Like yeah. he died? Yeah, funny. And that got applause. Yes, it did get applause. But he was in the movie anyway. How did that happen? Stan Lee filmed a whole bunch of cameos in upcoming Marvel films, uh, all in advance. So he's got about four more appearances, I think, coming up. That's kind of cool. That feels to me like... Uh, you know, he thought ahead. He planned ahead for his own demise. Well, I mean, the guy wasn't he in his nineties. Yeah, he was not young. I it's it's not. Look, it's it's a creepy thing to talk about, but it's a kind of cool legacy for a guy. So anyway, I, here's what Captain cool Marvel in, in a word is about, uh, in, in a sentence or two. Uh, she's. Uh, it starts out. She's on another planet. Uh, what is the planet, Mike? It's. Uh, Whore? Uh, Planet whore? Well, Cree? No, the Cree well, is the okay. race. She, 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 Captain Marvel is, is, ends up getting caught in between a galactic war between the Cree and the Skrull. They've been fighting for years. Again and, with that? Yes, it's the Cree and the Skrull. They've been, it's a background thing for, for Marvel, the, the universe. So they're introducing this. This is the, the introduction of Marvel movies going into the intergalactic, becoming more straight-up science fiction. Guardians of the Galaxy was a taste but as you can see, you know, when we talk about the movie, this is more akin to, to, to Star Wars than it is the rest of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, well, I should say right up front that this is one of those uh, podcasts where I am the only one who has not seen it. Out of the this. four of us, three of oh, us have really? seen it. Yeah, wow. so, I mean, my concern about the whole thing, and I want you guys to address this, is here's Brie Larson, and I know it hasn't gotten great, hasn't got a pan, but it hasn't gotten great reviews. Here's Brie Larson, who wins for Room, and then goes on to make King Kong Skull Island, which I was the only one that enjoyed, but I saw that as a huge dip after uh, yeah, winning Yeah, I, I like that movie, too. Then she was in The Glass Castle playing our colleague, Jeanette Walls, from uh, the uh, Junket days. Uh, then she was in something called Basmati Blues, and now she's in Captain Marvel, about to be in something called Unicorn Shore. Uh, is this... Uh, 
does she redeem herself as an actress in this? And will no. she work in serious stuff well, again? He, well, here's my take on that. When I first heard that Brie Larson was gonna, was cast in Captain Marvel, I'm going, man, from King, you know, and uh, apart from those smaller movies that you mentioned, Bill. I mean, I'm like King Kong and now Captain Marvel, like she's like selling out and like what's going on. But then I started thinking about it and I watched this thing. It's Sam Jackson as a white chick. Well, it's like every woman who wins an Oscar goes off to make something like Harry, Halle Berry. Right. They talk about there's a curse. That were were, um, trying to get the role of Captain Marvel, that she won that role. But such acclaimed actresses as Jessica Chastain. And Yvonne Strahovski from The Handmaid's Tale, all these years, you know, this, first of all, not only will it pay her God knows how many millions of dollars, but she also becomes part of this franchise where she could, you know, if she chooses to, can do independent movies for very little money and never have to worry about making any money again because she, between the action figures that she probably has a cut of and the, what they're paying her to do these movies and the conventions that she'll go to, you know, uh, you're set for life if you get into one of these franchises. So what did what did pardon my stupidity, and I'm going to get tons of people yelling at me. But was uh, what was Captain Marvel like in the comic books? It wasn't a woman, correct? Well, it wasn't a woman originally. Captain Marvel was uh, a guy. I was a big fan of the Captain Marvel comics, and it was a guy. But over the years, that long after I stopped collecting the comics, you know, it evolved to similar to the Green Lantern, where. Uh, Captain Marvel, Marvel, as the character's name is really Marvel. Is he Jewish? Marvel sort of <laughs> yeah. recruits recruits her to be a one of the the galactic force fighting for the you know against the Kree. Uh, so or against the Skrulls, I should say, because they're Kree. She's she's recruited by the Kree in the comics, but it doesn't go down the way it does in this movie. All right. Well, since Bill McCuddy didn't see it, and he's Sort of I'm bored. I'm bored already. Seeing, I can tell sort you. Sort of dominating the conversation as opposed to the three of us who have seen the movie and can tell our audience about the. I'm movie. just asking the intelligent questions that the audience who hasn't seen it well, yet will be asking. Well, let me tell you a couple of things. Um, I can. Okay, so Please. for the first thirty minutes or so of the movie, it's like Star Wars. There's no backstory. They're just fighting this intergalactic fight with these Star Wars type spacecrafts, and there's explosions and there's uh, laser fights and all this kind of stuff and. I don't know what's going on, and I couldn't be more bored. And then she winds up on the planet Earth in the year 1995, which I said, okay, this is going to be like Thor, which I like the original Thor. I was very bored in the beginning of that movie when he was on his planet for the first 40 minutes or so with Anthony Hopkins and the actor who plays Loki. But then he's a fish out of water Thor, and he comes to, you know— uh, planet Earth, and he has to kind of this medieval guy has to fit into you know uh, fish out of water premise, and I thought that was funny, and I said okay, so now we've got Captain Marvel, the Brie Larson character, she's on Earth, and she's got to kind of have to fit in, but there were so many missed opportunities because there's really no humor in that, other than the fact that she lands in a blockbuster video, and somebody made a comment that you know there's a there's a about like oh you know Brad Pitt, they said to some guy because it was the mid-90s and they wanted to look at something on a computer and it was kind of, uh, they had to wait for it to load in because it was so slow, it was dial-up. But again, missed opportunity. They could have had that dial-up noise, that ah, ah, you know, beep, beep, beep. They, yeah, that seems they absence by it. They could have done stuff. <laughs> what did you say? That seems conspicuous by its absence. But I'm no, just I'm listening, saying, Neil. I'm no, just listening. There, there's, there's no humor in it. Um, so as far as a story, um, I guess it's okay. I wasn't really that 
drawn into it. I mean, this Marvel Cinematic Universe is becoming so expansive that, I mean, between this and then now she's going to tie into the Avengers and all of this stuff. I mean, I guess if you're really into this, then, um, you know, I'm not. This is not my genre of movie. You are, Mike. And, and I, first of all, before you even chime in, Mike, Bill Brigoli, who was at the screening with me, what's your take on the movie? I get to talk now? Yeah, please. Okay. <laughs> hey, Mike, what did you think of Brie Larson's performance? Uh, well, without giving a review, I would say, unfortunately, it was not very nuanced. Very what? Nuanced. Oh, nuanced. It was sort of, sort of one or two notes. Well, you could give a really... review because that's what we're here to do. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. But I want to hear what, what Bill McCutty has to I mean, uh, but Bill Bergoli has to say Actually, that's first. why I, I wanna... asked you because uh, I sort of agreed. Did you notice that in the movie, everyone's telling her character, don't be so emotional. Exactly. So she never is. <laughs> <laughs> no. Ever. Once in a while, exactly. she cracks a smile and then she's sweet. And she's nice. The other people around her are interesting. But she's sort well, of Captain you, Meh. What did you think well, of the movie, Bill? Meh. Did you, did you? I mean, are you a fan of these superheroes? Not at all. I, I spent the first 20 minutes going, what am I doing here? And why does this guy sitting behind me smell so bad? But Stop. it got better than that. Now, hey, you, you were in that room, too. And uh, you got it, used to the smell. It was, it was Nerd City in there. But. Did, were you so wait, well, let me ask a question. She yeah. doesn't have super. I mean, she didn't have superpowers. She's these fists. She has superpowers. No, no, no. <laughs> let me finish the question okay. to quote Lisa Rossman. Uh, she didn't have <laughs> she didn't have superpowers uh, in Edge of Tomorrow. But Emily Blunt was a real take charge kind of woman, but also a very flat character. Uh, is that reminiscent of what's going on here? Bill, Bill she was Bill. more militaristic. Uh, Emily Blunt's character. She's being like a, a real soldier, which is, I guess you get, um, I don't know, there are less people to, uh, for her to bounce off of. Would Emily Blunt have made a better Captain Marvel? Maybe. I think it's the script. I don't think it's really Brie Larson's fault. Mike, why don't you t give me your opinion on the movie and review it, and then I will chime in with my opinion on the film. Sure. All right. Well, I have to give a little bit of context here. A little bit of context is to say, to touch upon what you said before about Brie Larson. Yeah, it's a huge move to get in one of these movies. Well, let's not forget that Annette Benning, you know, Oscar winning. There's nobody you can't get in a superhero movie now. You, once you had Robert Redford, like, you know, all bets are off. Anybody will be in, in, in a superhero movie. It doesn't matter. It's like it's at that level. But that being said, you know, this also not only has to work on its own as a film, it has to tie into the Marvel Universe. So you have to you have to care about these characters. You have to care because you've had time to care about these other people for like 10 years now. So to me, that's part of what this movie needed to do. You have to kind of fall in love with her. OK, uh, you're you're for me. I, I, I enjoyed it. There are things about it I enjoyed. I can tell you things about it. I enjoyed seeing a digitally de-aged Sam Jackson for like a movie. Uh, like, wow. An entire okay, movie. That do. was a little creepy. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to talk to you that about was, that for a minute. They made Sam okay, Jackson sure. look like he was in his, I guess, late 30s. Early, he was Pulp Fiction. Early, he was sort 30s, of the, same, the Pulp Fiction Right. Era. So was that all digital or did they put some all kind of prosthet digital. prosthetics on no, him or no, something? Digital. No, it's, it's all digital. Come on. All digital. Uh, all digital. But but again, I'm sure he you know he lost a little weight and did whatever. But still, they can do it all. And listen, he's there. That speaks for itself. So I enjoyed that. that I want to be all digital on this podcast. I want to look better. <laughs> Actually, you are. Oh, thank you. They, they, You're they, right. They, I am. They, they even did. Cl 
Clark Gregg is in there for a little bit. Agent uh, uh, Agent Coulson is in there, and he's thirty years younger too. So uh, I enjoyed certain things. I enjoyed how it plugs into the universe. Uh, I didn't think it was great. Uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I thought it, as Neil said, it, there are a number of missed opportunities. Like, wow, they really could have done a little more with that. But here's what I thought was interesting. From a standpoint as a story, and this is a film that's that's directed by a male-female team. It's got, like, credited as, like, seven writers. At least five <laughs> yeah. of them are, are women, okay? And one of the things it does is it plays a lot of things safe. You know, you're expecting girl power, woman power. It's Me Too generation. You got Captain Marvel. It's the first Marvel movie with a woman. It's got so much. Okay, you know, Wonder Woman just made a whole bunch of money for DC. Yes, and the expectation you didn't realize you have is there is that she's going to stand for something. Ultimately. What she stands for is nothing specifically feminine. I mean, there's no romantic interest in here. She's not turned on by a 30 years younger uh, uh, Sam Jackson. So, you know, there's no romantic interest here. She doesn't get saved by any male. Okay. She, they touch upon what it is to be a woman a little bit, but it's really more about figuring out who you are. But is that intentional because it's 1995? Is that because it's not 2019, because it's set in 1995? No, you know, as Neil said, there's really not that much difference between 1995 and today. The biggest difference of today, besides phone technology, is is social media. That's the biggest difference. Social media is a huge part of our lives. You know, here's what I liked, okay? I I, I liked, also like you, seeing Samuel Jackson look younger, not knowing that it was entirely digitally um, CGI. Uh, you thought that was his acting? No, no I, 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 I thought I, it was a wig. I figured there was some, but I, I, I'm makes it even more interesting now. Uh, I, I love Ben Mendelsohn. He was, um, I won't say whether he was the villain he or was great. And and I interviewed great. I interviewed him for Robin Hood, and he was such a prick in, in, in the character in the movie Robin Hood, and such a wonderful person to interview. This guy couldn't have been nicer, and I just like Ben Mendelsohn as an actor, so he was real good. He um, was very good. And I also like the fact that the fact that Captain Marvel, I guess, in the comic books, which I'm not that familiar with, was you know a male character. The fact that she was a female character was not touched upon. She just happened to be a female well, character. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Right. That, I mean, that's, it's not like so there wasn't... That, it's been criticized for that. Well, no. I like the... Criticized for that. I like the fact, like you said, there was no romance. You could have easily cast a guy in this role with the same exact script and just instead of going, where is she, saying, where's he, and it would have been the same movie. And, and I isn't like, that where we're supposed to be? Isn't that what we're told well, in all that, of this Me was, Too? That's making her the female equivalent of The Rock. The Rock is often like, yeah, people like him, but he's not necessarily having romantic interest. Well, you it's know, not just romantic kind of, interest. Nobody or, was saying... Or Tom Cruise. Somebody was, nobody was saying to well, her in the Tom movie... Tom Cruise gets with women in his movies. Like, I could beat... The Rock, not so much. Nobody was saying to her in this movie, like, I could beat this woman up or something like that. She was standing her own with any, whether it was male, female, alien, exactly. you know, exactly. and there was no reference to the fact of her gender. And I thought that was great. I, I like the fact that it was non-gender specific. She's a female superhero and there's no negative connotation or she's lesser than a male superhero or something. And I like the fact that that was the way it was presented, that she was on equal terms with everybody, and I think that's great. That said, my problem with the movie is that I think it suffered, which Bill McCuddy and I uh, often say in films, 
Uh, there, there was, uh, I, I like these things spiced up with a little humor. I mean, if you look at the original Ant-Man, that was funny. If you look at Thor, which I mentioned earlier, that was funny. Even the first two X-Men films, you know, Sir Ian McKellen had some funny lines. There, there was a real lack of humor in this thing. It took itself a little too seriously. I guess if you like action films and you're a fan of this comic book and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you'll probably like the movie. But uh, for my tastes, I'm not a big fan of this type of movie. It was okay. I, I mean, there are other ones that I liked a lot better. All right, give me another reason right. to give me another reason to see this because none of you guys. All right, have, I'll, get, all right I'll give you another. Bes, reason besides to see Nick Fury, well, wait. Besides Nick Fury, just tell me who else is in this. Who else in the Marvel oh. universe is there? Well, uh, well, you know, we're really only dealing with her. You know, it, let's put it this way. One Samuel Jackson. This film, one of the things that this film Sorry, does Samuel. better than the Han Solo prequel did, because this is essentially a prequel. One of the things that this did better is Han Solo prequel gave you answers to things you never had any questions about, and you really didn't care. You're like, all right, I don't care how he gets the scar on his chin. But in this movie, uh, they set, you, show, you see how certain things that are set up in the universe we're familiar with now, the Marvel, the current Marvel universe. Uh, you see how some of these things are set up, and it's fun. You weren't necessarily wondering, but but it's fun. It's integrated. It integrates itself into the Marvel Universe well. And I have to say, standing back, looking at what this is, you know, we, we take it for granted now. Superhero movies are, are, are a big thing. But there's never been this level of storytelling in the movies before where a universe is created and all these different, you know, voices in the universe and all these things are happening. You know, all this, you know, it is science fiction. So all this social commentary has the potential of coming out in these, you know, the most popular films ever. And it's all one continuous storyline, and it's an alternate reality. Bill, right. wake me up now. A, Bill, you know, <laughs> Bill Bergoli, it's would never you happened before? Excuse me, Mike. Bill Bergoli, would you recommend Sorry. this? I would. I, I don't know. What's your take? Yeah, I actually recommend it. It'll keep people awake for two hours and four minutes. It's not the Hulk. No, it's, it's not Ang Lee's the Hulk. No, Which right. Hulk? It, it's fine. It, it, the people Hulk. will be entertained. But I predict $125 million the first weekend and drops to 60 to second. All right. All I got to say before we move on is uh, I agree with – I've said this for years, and Bill Maher made a commentary a few weeks ago, and, uh, and you know, it's kind of like – I outgrew comic books when I was 10 or 11, and it's kind of sad that the movie industry, that's where they – that's their big ticket item these days, and that's where they put all their hundreds of millions of dollars in is to making this stuff. So, you know, it's not my thing, but if it's your thing – um, I can effectively judge it and tell you that it's not the best Marvel comic book movie, but you know it's better than Batman versus Superman, which is a DC movie. <laughs> it's better than um, it? what was that Margot Robbie thing? That that, that was awful. Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. It's better than that. Also another DC movie, you know, and it's better than the Ang Lee Hulk. But uh, you know, is it as good as uh, some of the some of the other ones? No. Um, all right, Mike. Last word on this. I'm sorry. Before we move on, would you recommend it? Uh, I would recommend it. it. It is fun. It's not. It's not great, but it's definitely fun. It's solid. I'd right, give it on eighty-two percent on, on Rotten Tomatoes, and nobody is giving this thing a high praise review. Everyone's just giving yeah. it a pass. Yeah, it's, it's a pass. I'd give it a pass. All right, let's move on. So you know, Ro the Academy Awards, Roma um, did not win Best Picture of the Year, and Steven as I Spielberg, told everyone, Steven Spielberg started this whole thing. You know, he's on the board of uh, governors of the Academy where he said that Netflix films, I want to make sure that Ro a movie like Roma never gets nominated for a Netflix film like this that does not get a, a wide theatrical release or any kind of sustained theatrical release beyond a week 
gets nominated for an Oscar. And, um, you know, the Netflix responded by saying, you know, move, small independent movies don't come into every market and we want as many people as possible to see the movies. Um, Bill McCutty, before we started the podcast, said it's over. I don't know what that meant. What does that mean? I'll tell you when you describe the whole. Give me, give me Spielberg's position. What does he? I told you. What does he? Position. What does he think we can do about it? What, what's his? What's the? He what wants, does he want the Academy? He wants to do? like a ninety-day theatrical release window before something. Well, starts. they don't have that now for movies that are widely released by Paramount. They have a thirty-day window. Yeah, I mean, nothing lasts ninety days. The the problem with what Steven Spielberg wants, in my opinion, is that all of the most of, except for him. Uh, many of the great filmmakers are already in bed with Netflix or Amazon or any of these big streaming Hulu. And it's just not, uh, we can't turn the clock back. I mean, this is the future. It's going forward. It is what it is. And it's not going to happen. Uh, it looks like sour grapes by an old guy to me. And I, I think it's a, it's a done you deal. Said it's over. So you mean it's not going to, there's going to be no. It's a, it's a non-starter. Okay. Well, here's what I think. But before, well, actually, what do you, what's your take on it, Bill Bergoli? What, what do you think? I pretty much agree with Bill. I think I always thought back in the days when, remember when we get we were getting screeners and all our friends didn't get to see the movies, particularly the friends with kids who were stuck at home, and they really wanted to see these movies, and they were always borrowing my screener. Please, I want to see this movie. I never get to go outside. I've got kids. I'm stuck at home, and I thought if somebody can bring think of a way to bring these movies to to uh, people at home who were stuck there with their kids, they would make a ton of money. Yeah, kids were clamoring to see Roma. Well, no, but the parents were stuck. Right. Well, what about you, yeah. Mike? What's, what's your take on it? Well, uh, you know, my, my take on it, I mean, what, what are you asking? Do, do I think Spielberg's wrong or his position? I, I, I mean, if that's what you're asking me, I mean, I, I understand where Spielberg's coming from. And and part of it is not just that that model's over, but, you know, how do you level the playing field? How, and well, And, you know... The Oscars is a very specific thing. I think, of course, what he wants is way too much. But there's got to be... I agree in principle with what he's saying. Well, I agree with Spielberg for the following reason. I mean, maybe 90 days. And I, I, can't, I thought he said 90. It might have been less than that. But here's the thing, and I made this point on this podcast a while back. Okay? Here's two movies that were released um, on HBO. One was called uh, Behind the Candelabra with Michael Douglas and Matt Damon. And another one was called Game Change, and it was with Julianne Moore and Woody Harrelson. Uh, that one was directed by the uh, Behind the Candelabra was directed by Steven Soderbergh. I don't know who directed Game Change, but both of them were great movies that could have been Oscar contenders. Certainly, Julianne Moore's performance as Sarah Palin, and in Game Change, uh, you could make the case that that Michael Douglas is Liberace. Certainly, if that movie was released theatrically instead of HBO, I would have. I would bet you that that movie he would get a um, Oscar nomination. So what's the difference? It gets so that both of those things win Emmys, and uh, Michael Douglas wins the Emmy and Golden Globes. Right, and it and it's released. And I bring up the Golden Globes because it has categories designated for television okay. and motion pictures. But they win the Emmy, okay. And uh, both of those movies win lots of Emmys, deservedly so. But what's the difference? What's the difference between those movies being shown? On, like if HBO decided to run each of those movies that I just mentioned theatrically for a week somewhere in New York or Los Angeles. to get Well, that's what HBO does with documentaries. Okay, so if they decided to do that with those movies, does that now it's not eligible for Emmys? It's eligible. 
I mean, I, well, where do you see, draw the line? I mean, I, what I'm saying is uh, Roma, okay. that yeah. movie is, those two movies, although different subject matter, are certainly in the same league quality-wise as Roma, but yet they were looked upon as television films because they were released on television. I so think what you where, forget where about... Where do you draw the line what, what on what's you, a TV movie? Neil, and, what you're forgetting about Roma is that it made $606,000 worldwide. That's nothing <laughs> for a movie. Oh, you're making a joke. So do, do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, please comment. We never do, Neil. Well, please comment. What do you, what do you think about what I'm saying? I mean, what's the difference? Oh, this thing. I think that everyone has to, going forward, determine whether we're voting for a performance or a platform. And the future is going to be determined by whether or not the studios get out of the way of... I mean, Paramount's going to close. Paramount is going to be a an empty lot by this time next year. There's no. no Paramount left. There's no, there's going to be four studios. Disney just bought 20th Century Fox. Wake up. The content is where it comes from and where it's running. That's what, it, that's what matters. If the Academy wants to say, oh, it's got to be in, a, in, in theaters, that's just an attempt to hold on to theaters. Well, The Irishman, which is with Robert De Niro... Is that your phone, Mike? It was. I turned okay. it off. Okay. Well, the Irishman... That's Spielberg calling right now, and he's pissed. <laughs> the Irishman, which is a Martin Scorsese film, which is coming out this fall with Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, Harvey Keitel, and Al Pacino. And, um, and they are de-aged also, and I just want to tell you up front, that's a, uh, a special effect. Okay, yes, I, I know that. But here's what I'm saying, is if that goes straight to Netflix... Um, I mean, is it going to go straight to Netflix? Does no, I told you last week what it's going to happen. What's going to happen with that movie? I have another question. What if, mic drop? What if a movie such as Black Panther had only opened on Netflix? What do you think the reaction? How? What do you think would have happened to? Well, that, that day is coming. What yeah. do you mean? That that that's what that's what I, I'm I saying. Disagree. I disagree. I disagree. I don't think that day is coming. I think that I, I agree with everything you were saying. Uh, Bill, up to the point where, you know, yes, content, but certain kind of content will be released some places. And certain, the, the, we're talking about now what gets awards. You know, I agree that, that content and how people watch movies, that has completely changed. And, and the industry really cannibalized itself. So Netflix is not to blame. The industry did it themselves with, you know, shortening the window for DVDs and then digital and everything. They just wanted to make the money in the next quarter. So I, I, I don't blame Netflix for doing what it's doing. I do think, though, there has to be some sort of, uh, let's just say, qualification. Now, Here's the thing. If a movie like uh, Bill McCutty said makes so little money, but it's seen on Netflix or Netflix can put, let's put it this way, they can make sure the people who need to vote at the Academy see the movie, even if the rest of the country didn't. Well, that's really now. Isn't that really what it's coming down to? Well, what what's the difference? Like the two movies that I mentioned that were on HBO. What's the diff? Why why aren't those nominated for Oscars if we're going to use that particular like? Because they weren't re they weren't released in in uh, movie theaters. So a net so Ro yes. so Roma because it gets released for five days in a movie theater. All of a sudden that can well, be nominated. No, 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 you see that that's no, what I'm saying. There's I, more I than say, that. That's where the rules are. The change. rules. What are you what saying, are Mike? Rules? The 
you mean that it comes out for five days and that's it? No, yes. the screening rules are 14 days in Los Angeles. It's either 10 or 14 in Los Angeles and Cal- and uh, New York. But those were all bullshit releases. I mean, okay, ne- but it Netflix, stayed. It played with Netflix, the same rules. Netflix. Almost, I, I don't even know where it was playing in New York. It was just thrown into a theater somewhere, ju- just dumped in, just so it could qualify. And nobody. That's really, been happening for years, Neil. But nobody went to them, especially if you have Netflix. They just go like, "Why am I going to pay?" What is it like, fifteen or eighteen bucks to see the movie? You know, what? Well, a lot of people. I can tell you a waitress that I know who did. Okay. Well, a lot of people said you had to see it on a big screen. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Well, I don't think it would have made it that much more enjoyable for me because I didn't like the movie. All right, but 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 really, what would happen to me? What would have to happen is changing those rules, me making the rules. Not that it's got to be ninety, like you know, whatever it is. But there have to be some sort of structure in place to say it gets a major release. It gets, you know, it gets what a film that it's competing with because there is something to be said to actually getting a film made now if what what bill mccutty is saying in five years ten years it will matter because you know if you want your film scene period this is distribution and that's it all right well this will be this 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 conversation will let's say to be continued but uh I don't really see the difference, and it, it's just really weird to me that I mean I think things on television these days are even better that, that are on that are theatrical. Of now. course, that's why if the Oscars decide to honor a creative entity, it won't matter where it was and how it appeared. So basically, and you're as I me said that, last that, week, that the Irishman. And I just want to make this point again because it's I'm the first person to predict this, and it's going to happen. The Irishman is going to come out in theaters. For a week or two, and you're going to be for two hours, and it's going to be the first two hours, and then you're going to go home, and you're going to be able to watch the other four hours. Well, we'll see if that happens. And there's going to be a huge argument next year about whether that can even win because it's unfair that the other four hours of it, everybody got to see at home after they saw two hours in the theater. So, from what you're saying, will HBO movies that are on the same level as theatrical releases, even though they were never got that theatrical release, will they be? Will they be? Uh, That's eligible? up to the Academy. Will they be eligible for Oscars because you know they didn't have the obligatory bullshit? Yeah, but Neil, again, I, I repeat rule? what I said earlier. They've been doing that with documentaries for years. We just haven't been paying attention. HBO documentaries have been in theaters for that. For that, what's going to happen, Bill Rigoli? Karnak. Netflix is going... You know how you... Right now... There may not be a You can't see this is not television, but Neil is sitting on a Roma pillow. Part of the $25 million that Netflix spent to promote the movie. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. It's under your coat. Oh, so... Okay. There it is. Okay. Okay. Uh, $25 million. And if they gave us pillows and chocolate and coffee table books you could build a house out of for Roma next year... They're going to, oh, what are going to give this for the Irishman? We're probably going to get our own Irish pub, I think, next year. <laughs> They're going to give us I went something. To the, uh, I went to the post office today and, and sent to someone in California, a bookstore, my Roma Asseline book. Oh, I got nice. $95 for it on eBay. Wow. I'm very proud. Wow. Well, I, 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 well now I, this is the proof, though. I, I would not, I would never sell merchandise, but. That that's, uh, that's I'm true. giving all the money to charity. Don't get me wrong. It's going to a, it's going to it's going to, it's going to some Cuban cigar rollers. <laughs> all right, moving on. Speaking about getting stuff, um, it seems that uh, in that Michael we're going to talk about the Michael Jackson documentary. And I remember where the child uh, the, the the grown up said when he was a child, you'd go to the toy store and you'd get 
one toy, and then you'd go with Michael Jackson to the toy store, and uh, you know he would say, "Just take anything you want, clear the shelves, fill up the cart." Because you know? clearly Michael was going to take home the monkey. So I watched all four hours of this, and um, and Oprah. I couldn't get right, through well, Oprah. Wait. It was uh, this is my problem with the documentary. My problem with the doc. Uh, first, I'll review this as a film, and then I'll talk right, wait, about. Wait, the- wait, wait. Be- be- before you tell me your review of the film, prior to seeing this film, what was your opinion on his guilt or innocence? Okay. Um, I watched four hours of this, and I said to myself. No, prior, prior, prior. I want to know where you were. What yeah, well, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll, let me finish my sentence because that, oh, okay, that answer, okay. it's going to answer your question. Thank you, I Lisa watched Rossman. four hours of this, and I said to myself, tell me something I don't know. I knew all of this. As a matter of fact, I was at work. By the way, um, our television show at CUNY TV premieres Friday, this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, CUNY TV Channel 75 on Spectrum and on um, Cablevision. Optimum, uh, Friday at 9.30, this Friday, and then Saturday afternoon and Sunday, and I'll send links out, and it's with Bill McCuddy, Lisa Rossman, myself, and David Fear from Rolling Stone, and we talk about a whole bunch of movies. It's almost too much show. And uh, it's great. It's the premiere episode of, of Talking Movies, and Mike, Sergeant, uh, you'll be on. And uh, If everyone listening to this podcast watched, we could double the and ratings. It's on, uh, <laughs> on, on, on Fios, it's on Channel 30, and on RCN, it's Channel 77. That said, I was talking to somebody at work <clears throat> before I saw it, and he saw it, and I was telling him everything that I knew before I saw the movie, like, oh, there were two trials and blah, 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 and this and that. And he said, well, that's all in the documentary, and I saw it all in the documentary. Yeah, you didn't hear, you didn't hear the explicitness with well, which the... Well, here's the deal. Um, I don't understand how... People, uh, you know, the, Michael Jackson could not was having a very difficult time after the second trial, selling concerts out in the United States. So he was going to go off somewhere to the to Asia or something and give concerts, and um, because he people were like saying Michael Jackson's a pedophile. Then he dies and everything is dropped. Nobody's talking about Michael Jackson pedophile. He's the greatest. He's the most wonderful, entertainable. It was like as if people completely, once he died, put that aside. And I'm saying, this guy's a pedophile. Why is nobody mentioning this? Why are they, like, making him, like, this godlike creature? So now this thing comes out, and if you read Twitter, there are people that, I'm shocked, I absolutely can't believe this, and then there are people that are defending Michael Jackson, saying it's not true, it's not true. So my opinion before this, Mike, is I thought he was a pedophile, and this just confirmed everything that I thought. As a movie, I thought four hours, it was just too long, and um, I think they could have condensed it to two hours. I couldn't get through the Oprah thing because, again, it was those two guys up there who I feel really bad for. Their lives were destroyed by Michael Jackson, kind of talking about the same stuff again. And I was like, you know, it's just, it, it was too long, but certainly... Someone said the time gives them credibility, which I kind of agree with, although I agree with Neil that it didn't need to be almost four hours long. However, the more it piles on and the more you listen to the Australian grandmother going, we didn't know, we were certain it was okay. I mean, the, the more horrific it gets. So like an overwritten Quentin Tarantino script, uh, the more people talked, the creepier it got. Yeah, parents creep me out big time. Yeah, well, I think it's the parents' fault. I mean, the yeah. mother, like, you're sleeping, I mean, you're sleeping in a, the brother, the Australian brother said at the end, you know, 
what are you thinking here? The guy, you, have, you have an adult who's sleeping in a bed with, with, with seven, nine-year-old kids? I mean, like, I mean, and, and a lot of the public, when this was happening, were going, oh, it's just so innocent. He's just a childlike person himself. Well, that's what the parents wanted to believe. Yeah, but the American public was also like, you know, oh, he's just such a wonderful... I mean, he, you know, right. what grown-up... I mean, first of all, Michael Jackson has such a, you know, such a sedu such seduction powers in the sense that he's Michael Jackson. He's the number one pop star in the world. He's got millions and millions of dollars. He builds an amusement park in the backyard of his house. And, uh, you know, these, these kids in the documentary are saying, how could you resist that kind of thing? And they're too young to make that kind of decision. But I am, you know, I was not uh, ever buying Mike before this documentary came out, you know, when he died or anything, that that this guy was innocent and just was having s pajama party sleepovers with, with a group of 10-year-old kids. I just thought that that was just too insane to buy into that. I, for the record, thought he was a pedophile before as well. Mike, Mike, Mike tell us what you think. Well, no, I want to know what Bill Bergoli thinks. Oh, I, they creep, everybody creeped me out. It was too long. I want to give you a chance no. to speak. No, but I mean, did you feel he was a pedophile before the movie, or, or did just? I had my, I, I had my suspicions. Do you remember when Michael uh, charted himself a uh, double-decker bus and paraded it in front of uh, Sony because he was upset with one of the Sony executives? Do you remember that? It was on Madison sort Avenue. Of, yeah. yeah, sort of, sort and of. I happened to be on Madison Avenue that day, and I thought. This is not a normal human being. How would a double-decker bus piss off Sony executives? Uh, because well, it had a message on it, right? right it had, had like a, a big billboard that yeah, you said the guy, unfair to, right? Yeah, so-and-so is unfair to Michael. He did, filled it full of people and made like his own little one-man demonstration. And it was weird. And I also saw him backstage at one of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fames. He just struck me as strange. He's a weirdo. I'm not surprised. He was he was, I've up. also seen him in concert, and it was very good. He, I'm not taking away that he's a great that he was a great entertainer, great music, great songwriter, and and, and uh, But the know, idea singer. that those concerts were grooming some of these kids is kind of revolting. Yeah. So, what's your opinion, Mike? Since you wanted to hear from everybody first. Uh, well, my opinion. First of all, let me just say that uh, I only saw the first two hours, so I can see the second two hours. So I, I can't. It's the same thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't, <laughs> I can't give a full review. Uh, but as a film, I would say I the, the two hours was too long. It was two hours too long. That that was too long. Uh, I I feel like um, overall that the the film is manipulative from a journalistic point of view. In that uh, even what's her name who just interviewed R. Kelly uh, interviewed R. Kelly and then interviewed these people. Gail King. Gail King. Are defending him and then interview the people who are like, where, where's my daughter? Okay, so you know there there needs to be uh, balance, in my opinion. For in four hours, you know, the, you you know you could get, you know, I, I want to get something from somebody, something forensic, whatever. So um, I feel that it is clear that Michael Jackson was, you know, uh, uh, emotionally abused as a child and his, his dad was a monster and uh, he clearly had arrested development uh, and he clearly, you know, uh, you know, was, I don't even know if the word infantilism, I don't even know if that's a real word, but he definitely was not in reality and he didn't really have anybody around him uh, except occasionally, maybe, who could really, uh, let's just say, 
go, Michael, what are you doing? You know? So no, nobody let's put did it this that. Way. Uh, I, 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 I'm not gonna, I didn't watch the whole documentary. I can't rule out. Well, answer your own question, Mike. You said, yeah. did you think he was a pedophile before? The, but I, I didn't necessarily think he was. I, I thought really? it was possible, but I, I didn't think that he was. I'm getting that so, from your answer. I mean, I, look, I, I, maybe I they should have talked to the person that I, built. I can give you my, I can give you my reasons why, uh, from my perspective uh, about him. Uh, well, again, uh, you know, I, I've, I've known, um, let's just say I've known 40-year-old virgins who were completely functioning in every other area of their life. But, but they had arrested development in that area of their life emotionally, you know, and what they had, you know, they were clearly not, you know, getting plastic surgery and bleaching their skin and, and, and whatever, you know, and having a monkey as a best friend. But they, they definitely, let's just say, had issues when it came to relationships, had things that they needed to work out and, and eventually did, you know, and eventually became a fully functioning, you know, human being and all that. But it took work. It took, uh, you know... All right, but let's get back therapy. to Michael Jackson. So, I say all that to say that unchecked, you know, your weirdness can go pretty far. Do I think that, that with all... That there are a lot of factors that don't quite add up to me. But again, I haven't seen the four hours, but just in terms of the whole picture of what he was doing, I think he clearly was vulnerable for this. But so vulnerable to the point like, well, what sense would it make for this, you know, there's no way, unless he was on a total path to self-destruction, there's no way that this in any reality could could be, and I have to say, again, I didn't see the whole thing, but oh, seven years this is going on, and your parents had no idea for seven years well, well, part of that it, was that these kids got on the at the at the last trial got on uh, the witness stand and said he was innocent. Listen, well, not only that. Well, no, no, no. But there was also uh, which was the case of the man who who claimed that he got this the money and all of this. He claimed that his son, and then when a man died, and Michael died, his father died, and then Michael died, and then he came out and said, "Yes, his father put him up to it." What, why don't they talk He's to the person who designed the Neverland Ranch? Who, um, you know, there were all these passageways to get to the bedroom with kind of like, uh, you know, things that would go, sirens that would go off so we would know anybody was approaching. And then there was that loft bed that was like upstairs from the main bedroom there that he was in. Why didn't the guy that built the house say, like, why do you want all these, what, what, what are you doing, Michael? What, what do you want this for? That, that's what I mean by unchecked and nobody that goes like, what are you doing? You know, so uh, that's why I can't rule it out as a complete possibility. Again, I, I, I didn't see the second two hours, so I, I can't say whether I'd be convinced mm. by the other two hours. Like, yes, I agree that, that the length does give it credibility. But, but at the same time, here's the other thing. And again, this is just the opposing view here. Uh, you know, there are people who definitely, you know, you could tell yourself something and eventually believe it. You know, it's not on. Uh, 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 let's let's just say, a why these two, you know, and and not a whole bunch of other kids, you know, and why where are they in this documentary? You know, if they were, you know, if their case is the same, where are they right now? Even. Well, Mike, as you're, as you're talking to us from your apartment, you have a Michael Jackson poster up, don't you? <laughs> Bill McCuddy tweeted I'm not, the I'm other not, day I'm not some, something. Him. I'm and just putting, 
I'm giving you there's another side to the way to look at it, right. and, and that's Bill, where I'm coming from. Go ahead. Bill McCuddy tweeted something the other day, right after this documentary aired, that I thought was terrific. It was something like, "What did you write about them being? You you, you took a screenshot of the two guys and you said something like, "Oh yeah, these two are way too credible. I mean, I it's just like." I'm sorry. I, I guess I, I take your argument about you can believe something after a long time and turn it the other way and say these guys were in denial for a long time, finally realized that they were abused, didn't even know it because they were so young at the time. And he explained it in a way. I mean, if we believe their story. So, yeah, I mean, where's the where you're I, I totally agree with the, how one sided it is. Where was the uh, family that got twenty five million bucks? Where are the where are the people who know them? know them as people like you know there are a lot of stories about who they are as people we get this idea of who they were when they were with michael and what all that was but well that no that comes that comes out in the second part they get married and the wives talk about you know that in the second part they talk a lot about that so but i I, but you know that's what i'm saying i'm I'm, i can't give a full review Uh, so i don't know bill brigoli uh you know you thought it was too long but uh yeah too long too creepy yeah, it was very creepy. I did not watch it. I did not watch it in real too time. Long, I actually, too creepy. But yeah. you believe that you believe the guys. Do yeah, you? yeah, you do. Yeah, I got angry at the parents. I I know, I know, and uh, well, I'm angry at the parents too. I'm angry at the parents even if nothing was going on. Like, what the hell? Come on. Right. Well, you know. But I I felt the same way about Nicole Simpson's parents. It's like, okay, at what point? How much money could? How how? What kind of lifestyle could O.J. Simpson give you where it's okay that you know he ever hit your daughter, uh, Bill McCuddy? I mean, you know. I don't understand. My daughter is never going near O.J. Simpson. I'm just, I'm just saying. I mean, she like, looks at his picture know. kind of dreamily, and I'm very concerned. Don't get me wrong, but it's not going to happen. All right. So uh, this week's crashing as an update was not as good as the rest of the season. And uh, also, uh, Peter Bogdanovich was interviewed in Vulture this week. We'll talk about that next week because there's some really incredible things about uh, some of the stars he worked with and Sybil Shepard and where he's living today. Uh, it's just a great uh, interview. We're going to talk about a Netflix film next week called Triple Frontier with Ben Affleck and Oscar Isaac. And uh, we're also going to talk about a movie called The Hummingbird Project, with, which opens theatrically with Jesse Eisenberg and uh, Alexander Sarsgaard. And we're going to talk about that as well. Again, Ben uh, Affleck, two words, oh, Weight oh, Watchers. Can I ask one quick question of Bill sure. Of course. All right. Aren't Spielberg and Scorsese friends? Uh, yeah, I think so. So doesn't this kind of pit them against each other in a way? <laughs> listen, Spielberg's uh, against everybody in this. He's got the, listen, old Hollywood likes what he's saying, but new Hollywood is not going to stand for it. Again, to remind everybody that uh, Talking Movies premiere episode with Lisa Rossman, Bill McCuddy, and myself, and David Fear, guest this week, will be on CUNY TV this weekend. Uh, and we'll get you for if you're not in New York we'll try and get you some kind of a a link and uh, you could reach me at Neil Rosen Apples you could reach Bill McCuddy at at Bill McCuddy on Twitter you could reach Mike Sargent at Mike on screen and Bill Bregoli I'm not on I'm not on social media and I just found out by uh, reading up about people who are not on social media we're ahead of the curve well there you go (laughs) by the way you could write a regular letter to me There you go. (laughs) Write a regular letter to Bill Bregoli, and just like uh, Miracle on 34th Street, the post office will figure out where to take it. What do we do every week, Bill? (laughs) We we watch 
Steven Spielberg make a fool of himself so you don't have to. I don't think he made a fool of himself. Anyway, thanks for sitting around talking movies with us, and we'll sit around talking movies again with you next week. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.